0: And we're live in three, two, one. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Jeremy Boring, God King of The Daily Wire. And as many of you know, if you were tuned in last Thursday to The Michael Knowles Show, we've made some changes here at The Daily Wire. Uh, we want to wish Michael the best. He brought us a lot of good content over the last years, and we all look forward to seeing uh, where he lands. Uh, but we're not going to spend today's show looking backward. A lot of news to get to. So I guess this is it. I'm Jeremy Boring, and this is The Jeremy Boring Show. So we're obviously trying to save a little money on those opening graphics. We promise to do better, but let's get to the news. Another 72 hours have gone by, and in Donald Trump's America, that is a lifetime. Plus Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said some just crazy stuff. First though, uh, before the news, we gotta make a little money, honey. So let's talk about our pals over at Movement Watches. Movement really, listen, I consider myself a watch guy. I own quite a few very nice watches. Uh, But the Movement Watch, I have to say, it just shocked me. This is a great product. Uh, tells time like a champ, and you can get yours over at movementwatches.com. I don't even want to be on a cute panel of girls! I know I'm here! I know I'm here! You stupid f! You got this to me!
1: You.
2: I do have to remind you, you're going to have this weekend. Just remember, we are shooting the second season of Another Kingdom right now. Uh, hello, uh, hello, hello, sweet little Elisa? Triplets! Oh my god, oh my, hold on just one second. Ben Ben, I just needs something. Yeah, what is it, Ben? It, it, it can wait. You know what? It can wait. It can wait. You sure? Yeah.
1: It, it can wait.
2: Thanks. I'm Michael
0: Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show.
2: All right, we're back. A lot to talk about today. I feel like I've been gone for a while, but we have made it. We've made it to the 200th episode. So thank you to everybody who's been listening and watching. This feels really good. Nice, still hanging around here in the broom closet. So much to talk about today. We, it, it was a big weekend, very big weekend. There was the Unite the Right rally that I think like four people showed up at, but it was a great opportunity for the left to become very violent and threaten to murder the president and for the mainstream media to be hypocritical and for former White House employees to be hypocritical. And Donald Trump has this amazing knack for f- forcing his opponents to be honest. He does this with the Democrats, uh, admitting that they're socialists. He does this with teachers, admitting that they're indoctrinating students. He does it. People are just honest. He he forces his opponents to project uh, what, what they accuse their opponents of, uh, the, the lefties, the anti-Trump people. Wh- what they accuse their opponents of is what they are doing themselves. We'll go through that bit by bit. Before we do that, let's make a little money, honey, huh? Let's keep this show on the air. Let's keep the lights on. And we got to thank Thrive. Market Thrive Market is really really good. You know there there was a time when I was basically living in the gutter and I would just you know as a I was a bachelor is what I'm talking about. I would I would eat you know whatever sludge was in my fridge. Now I use Thrive Market. Go to ThriveMarket.com/michael M-I-C-H-A-E-L. It is revolutionary. It's the online marketplace on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. You can shop for thousands of the best-selling non-GMO and natural products always at 25 percent below uh, to 50% below traditional retail prices. I love their, especially I love their olive oil, but they have so much stuff, food, snacks, vitamin supplements, personal care, eco-friendly cleaning, all that. Look, you're worth it. Don't keep putting sludge into your body. Let Thrive Market uh, make it easy for you. More than 70% of the Thrive Market catalog cannot be found on Amazon. It's the largest retailer in the country that sells exclusively non-GMO groceries. Uh, they're, they're really good. Let me give you some free food to celebrate my 200th episode. Users will get $20 off their first three orders of $49 or more, plus free shipping. Most shoppers are going to spend more than that anyway. There's so much good stuff. Uh, Do the math. You spend $49. Thrive automatically gives you back $20, so your total purchase becomes $30. You get this deal three times in a row. That's a lot of math. More math than I can handle. Get $60 worth of free organic groceries. ThriveMarket.com slash Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Instant $60 of free groceries. ThriveMarket.com slash Michael. So much to get to today. <laughs> so let's, let's just begin. A lot happened. That, that Unite the Right rally happened in Washington, D.C. You remember this from last year, the Unite the Right rally that very few mainstream right wingers went to, if any. Uh, Unite the Right, it happened in Charlottesville. That poor girl got killed by a crazy guy in a car. And uh, uh, what this is showing for the media and the left is that our moment right now is the, I know you are, but what am I moment. The Unite the Right rally was really a Unite the Left rally. They're trying to make it a Unite the Left rally. They want to use these boogeymen, these handful of of wackos to unite the left because the left is having a civil war right now. The left is at war with itself. So last year, this Unite the Right rally, just if you didn't remember, I know the media put it wall-to-wall coverage. It was this small gathering uh, run by white nationalists, Jason Kessler. Richard Spencer was there as well. And what the left tried to do is smear conservatives and Republicans as being part of these white nationalist alt-right groups. And now this is ridiculous. As I explained in my PragerU video, the alt in alt-right is alternative. It means an alternative to American conservatism. So we have American conservatism. We talk about our rights which come from God. We talk about traditional not not only religious senses, but all of the the rights and the culture that have come out of that Judeo-Christian morality, all that have come out of Western civilization. The alternative right rejects that, and it basically goes back to a tribal racialism. Um, it's, It's so ridiculous to compare the alternative right or white nationalism to conservatism. I almost don't want to do it, but let's very quickly, let's just kick the mainstream media out here. Here is a clip of Richard Spencer explaining what he and his buddies think. What does Richard Spencer actually believe?
0: No individual has a right outside of a collective community. You have rights, not eternally, or given by God, or, or by nature, who, who or gives them to us? You have them because you're a part of this community. Ultimately, the state gives those rights to you. So the state is the source of rights, not the individual. It simply is. What what would be your take on, say, Reagan? I do not think that he was a great president. Who's your favorite president? There there is something about uh, uh, Jackson. There's something about Polk as well, someone who only served one term. But I mean, Jackson and Polk, as you know, both Democrats. Uh, Party, I mean, party is just the, the vessel that, that one uses. I mean, I mean, Jackson's the founder of the Democratic Party.
2: He goes on and on here. Uh, it was a great, great clip from Dinesh D'Souza. He goes on to say that he loves the democratic populism of the 1920s, you know, at the resurgence of the Ku Klux Klan. So uh, the comparisons between conservatives and Republicans and these guys are absurd. Uh, nevertheless, the left keeps trying to tie them all together. What this really was is a Unite the Left rally. And, and the reason we know that is virtually, on the one-year anniversary, virtually nobody showed up from the, the right side of the alt-right or the n- white nationalists. N- virtually nobody in Charlottesville, virtually nobody in Washington, D.C. Uh, h- here is how the, uh, the New York Times covered it. Even the New York Times had to admit this, quote, But even with the low turnout, almost no one walked away with the sense that the nation's divisions were any closer to healing listen, even with the low turnout in Charlottesville, very few, if any, uh, right-wing people and a ton of Antifa protesters just, you know, ready to smash the police. They said, but our nation's divisions aren't healed yet. Yeah, they're not healed because of the left. Virtually no alt-right white nationalists. There are none of these people. There are statistically zero of these people in the country. But the left comes, they start, you know, threatening the police, start screaming, getting violent. They say, our nation's Wounds are far from healing. No, you have a violent left. You have a a, a mythic a violent right. There was that one awful example last year at the... Uh Charlottesville protests. Other than that, you don't really see violence on the right. You see a ton of violence on the left. The New York Times goes on, quote, a similar dynamic to the one in Washington played out in Charlottesville on Sunday, where few, if any, far-right demonstrators could be found and where the most palpable tensions developed between left-wing protesters and the police, whose presence in the city was heavy and some argued heavy-handed. So w- w- Charlottesville part 2 and didn't wasn't white nationalists versus communists Nazis versus communists it was lefties versus the police and by the way, the, the argument last year, the lefties were so angry because the, the police didn't do enough to protect people and someone ended up getting killed. So this year, the police came out in full force. They say, we don't want the police in full force. What do you want? What does the left want? The left wants destruction. That's what they want. They want to whine and complain and try, tie conservatives and Trump supporters to these neo-Nazi types. And it's so transparent. They're so, they are so uh, They're uh, so the Outside of the White House in this Unite the Right rally, uh, there, were, there was Jason Kessler, the organizer of it, and maybe a couple dozen white nationalist types, maybe 20. Some outlets reported there were about 20 of them with police protection. They did their thing. And there were a zillion Antifa protesters. These are some of the things that Antifa was saying outside of the White House. Quote, it takes a bullet to bash a fash. Okay, that's a little violent. They said, uh, "Murder Trump, murder Trump, do him like Gaddafi, the Libyan dictator who did not did not have a happy end a couple years ago, a few years ago." Another sign. I can't believe I have to protest Nazis in 2018, but you don't have to protest Nazis in 2018. There are virtually no Nazis in the country. There are statistically zero Nazis in the country. They're under police guard because they would have been killed, all of them, you know, if, if they had been uh, without protection. And they're all, I mean, look, the, the left is promising that, right? They're saying, we're going to shoot these people. It takes a bullet to bash a fash. You don't have to protest Nazis. It's very hard. You know, it's very hard for the left right now because everything is going so well. The economy, foreign policy, domestic affairs, everything is going so well. So they have to invent boogeymen. They have to invent these Nazis. They say, it's 2018. We have to, we have to protest Nazis. No, you don't. Just let them have their little stupid thing and nothing's going to happen. Don't, there are 20 of these people in the country. Don't, it's okay. Where does the threat really lie? Where does the threat really lie? Is it these Nazis, these neo-Nazis, where they can get 20 of them at their national rally, if that? Or does it lie in actual threats to the country? You know, last week, this was covered up by the mainstream media. Very few people covered this. There was a terrorist training school that was discovered in New Mexico. Siraj ibn Wahaj, Uh, was uh, caught along with some other adults training these children, keeping them in deplorable conditions and training them for school shootings to carry out jihad, to carry out terrorist attacks. Now, does that name sound familiar? Siraj Ibn Wahaj? Probably not. But but if it does, that's because his father was a a co-conspirator in the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. Where does the threat really lie? Where does the threat really lie? From these fringe, in crazy right-wing types, these na- white nationalists? There are five of them in the country. Or does it lie in Muslim terrorists who have attacked our country many times? and We just stopped a plot last week. Does it lie in Antifa, who is getting violent, which is getting violent, which is threatening to murder the president, but beyond that is actually roughing up journalists? Uh, you know, it, this is the attacks on the media are the most transparent here. How many times have we heard Donald Trump is attacking the press? He's assaulting the press. Trump supporters are assaulting the press. The press is unsafe. Well, look back over the weekend at the Unite the Right rally, which was really Unite the Left, because the only people at these rallies were left-wingers. Look at that. Some media were attacked there. They weren't attacked by the right. Here is some footage from an NBC reporter.
0: Don't worry about them now. Don't worry about me. I my
2: That wasn't a Nazi attacking the reporter. That wasn't a white nationalist. It wasn't any of those guys. It was lefties. It was Antifa. They were attacking an NBC reporter named Cal. Perry. So you saw that. You can actually see it in the clip, right? The camera goes down. Clearly, this guy takes a swat at the reporter, either to grab the camera, knock the camera down, hit the reporter. We're talking about physical violence. We're talking about physical battery. How did NBC report a physical assault on its own reporter? Did they say, Antifa attacks the media, the left attacks journalists? No. NBC Sunday Today reported, quote, Antifa heckled reporters. Heckled. Is that, a, is that what heckling is? When you stick you a swing at somebody, you try to rip their gear out, steal their possessions. Is that heckling? I don't know about that. Is that uh, Bill de Blasio, the Bolshevik mayor of New York, he threw a post reporter away. He got, uh, he got his bodyguards to drag away a post reporter for asking him a question. That, I don't, you don't really see Donald Trump do that. You don't really see the Trump supporters do that, do you? When the left actually attacks the media, the media say that, that they were heckled. When the right heckles the media, the media say that they were attacked. Isn't that unbelievable? You remember this story from last week. Uh, Jim Acosta, the Ron Burgundy of CNN, is surrounded by Trump supporters, and they're heckling him. They're not physically intimidating him. They're not punching him. They're not grabbing his camera or his microphone. They're just heckling him. They're saying CNN isn't very good, you know. (laughs) CNN is fake news, whatever. And he said this was an attack. We're under physical threat. Just roll the clip. Here, Here is Jim Acosta discussing this.
0: It goes to the press, so it goes to some other things that just make his base get into a frenzy and, and forget all the other stuff. That's what it is. It's a big, shiny, silver ball at the detriment of a free press. That's a serious moment in a serious place. And Jim Acosta's life, in my opinion, uh, was in jeopardy that night. There was a safety issue.
2: His life was in jeopardy. Jim Acosta's life was in jeopardy. Do we have the clip of Jim Acosta discussing this event himself? Well, uh, Essie, I mean, honestly, it felt like we weren't in America anymore. Uh, I I don't know how to put it uh, any more plainly than that. Uh, Americans should not be treating their fellow Americans in this way. Uh, but unfortunately what we've seen, and this has been building for some time since the campaign. I've been, I've been talking about this as an issue since the campaign. When the president uh, during the campaign referred to us as the dishonest media, the disgusting news media, liar scum and thieves and so on. And then he rolled that right into uh, the Oval Office and started calling us fake news and the enemy of the people. Uh, he is whipping these crowds up into a frenzy, uh, to the point where they, they really want to come after us. At what point was Jim Acosta's life in jeopardy? Was he, were, the, were the mean signs going to attack him? <laughs> were the funny jokes about him going to attack him? Were, was he going to drown in laughter? Was that what was going to attack him? Of course he's not. His life was in jeopardy. Whereas, however, on the other hand, those NBC reporters that were out there were being physically attacked. Were their lives in jeopardy? I don't know, but you had thugs, left-wing thugs wearing masks, carrying weapons. You had them attacking reporters, physically attacking reporters. So why don't why don't the media report on this? Aren't the the only explanation is that the media don't actually care. They don't actually think their lives are in jeopardy. They don't actually worry about their reporters being attacked. They're pushing a narrative. They have there has been a narrative that is predetermined before the 2016 election that was predetermined a long, long time ago and they are going to push for it, which is that the right is violent, aggressive, a threat to the country, a threat to our democratic republic, a threat to the constitutional order, and the left is the cure. The left is what is going to save them. Now, the trouble is, the reality doesn't work that way. You know, uh, what's the line about the left? They say, who cares if it works in practice? Does it work in theory? In theory doesn't matter. They're going to stick to the script. They're going to stick to the narrative. So th- this brings us to the uh, Gavin McGinnis of it all. You might have seen this over the weekend. Gavin McGinnis, who he's been on our show, I've been on his show a couple times, he was banned from Twitter. Gavin now. Gavin founded the Proud Boys, which is this group of uh, I think they call themselves Western chauvinists, and you know they they want to be an answer to Antifa. They say we're not going to let you beat up our guys on the street, and you know it's a bunch of young guys. They're pumping full of testosterone and energy. Sure, Uh, they Twitter decided to ban Gavin. Why did they ban Gavin? Did he violate Twitter's rules? No. He didn't. There's no evidence that he violated any of Twitter's rules. There's no tweet you can point to that says this is in violation. There's certainly no recent tweet that you can point to say this is why he got banned from Twitter. But this comes just after last week when Jack Dorsey, the head of Twitter, uh, said we're not going to ban Alex Jones because Alex Jones hasn't violated the rules. Well, Okay, you're not going to ban Alex Jones. Then why are you banning Gavin? They banned Gavin two days before the Unite the Right rally because they find the Proud Boys implicated in Unite the Right last year. Some of the Proud Boys were enthusiastic about Unite the Right. Now, Gavin McGinnis, for his part, has totally disavowed the... Alternative right, the white nationalists. He hasn't said he doesn't say I'm a racist. I'm a white nationalist. I support no. He doesn't now. He's a provocateur. He's a comedian. But he has said explicitly, I am not a racist, and I don't I don't support white supremacy or white nationalism. They booted him anyway. They booted him anyway. Uh, this is what I told you would happen. I told you this would happen last week when they were hitting Alex Jones, and I said we have to defend the shirtless vitamin salesman. I know conservatives don't want to. They find it uh, is. Unsavory. it's uncouth to defend Alex Jones. They say, oh, pish posh, I'm not like him. I don't think that the water's turning the frogs gay. I don't take my shirt off frequently in public. I, you know, I don't try to sell people vitamins. I don't want to defend Alex Jones. They say, well, it's coming first for Alex Jones. They go first for Alex Jones because he's the easiest to boot. He's so easy. Nobody wants to defend him on the right or the left. So they get rid of Jones and YouTube and Facebook did that. Twitter didn't quite do it. But then Jack Dorsey is under so much pressure. He must be under so much insane pressure from the left to censor people. It, he just gave in on Gavin McGinnis. So now Gavin McGinnis is getting banned on social media. Gavin's a little harder to ban than Alex Jones, but they banned Alex Jones to establish the principle that they're going to start censoring more mainstream people. You know, Gavin McGinnis has been on Fox News a zillion times. Gavin McGinnis co founded Vice Media, Vice Magazine. Gavin is a comedian, he's an actor, he's a provocateur, you know, he's got his talk shows and everything. This is not some like fringe Nazi who's, uh, you know, out there marching for a white ethnostate. He's a little bit more, now he's not totally mainstream, right? He's not. He's still kind of punk rock, vice media, right? But uh, they, they established the principle with Alex Jones. Now they're going to push it to Gavin McGinnis. And he Gavin sent out a, a statement when they banned him. They said, you know, they're coming for you next. They're going to go for, they're probably going to go for Breitbart. Com. Then they're going to go for the Daily Caller. Now, 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 Daily Caller, now you're getting way more mainstream. Then they're going to go for the Daily Wire. And I'm sure they're coming for us. They've already, on these big tech companies, censored our show, my show in, in particular. They've censored Drew's show. They've censored the Ben Shapiro show. And at various times, they let us live now, but who knows? They are just establishing the principle because the left is furious. The left has their narrative. That the right is a threat to the constitutional order. The right is violent. We can point out that the left is the is the group being violent until we are blue in the face. We can we can shout that from the rooftop. It won't matter. The narrative is determined. They are going to push that narrative. Reality be damned. Uh, here, here's just an example. I I, I really uh, want to show. Do we have a video of Gavin wrestling his baby? Do we have that? This is what Gavin is known for. This is, he's not some huge Nazi. This is what Gavin is probably best known for on the internet.
1: Hey guys, a lot of you out there are scared of babies. You don't know what to do. Oh my God, they're intimidating. I'm so scared. I don't know how to handle it. They are easy peas to handle. I'm going to show you how. Okay, there's a lot of different moves you can do to kick a baby's ass. Hold them under the arms, <laughs> up like this, and then slam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh.
1: This is a very little known technique for fighting babies. Their one, excuse me. Their one Achilles heel is winning. You think you got what it takes? You think you can take your old man? A lot of the fear of babies is assuming that their punches or their scratches or their slaps hurt. They don't actually hurt. Watch this. Doesn't
0: hurt.
1: A lot of people in the kid community (laughs) think that uh, tickling is not fighting. That's not true. Sleeper hole. He just
0: scratched
1: my eye. He uh, just got me right in the eye. He just scratched my actual eyeball. <laughs> so yeah, dealing with babies is nothing to be afraid of, just keep their nails trim and you're good.
2: That, that's it. That's the violent Gavin beginners. He, he is. I mean, look at that. He, the guy can't even beat a baby. The baby took him down. That is it. And. Look, does does Gavin, is he provocative? Yes. Does he go too far sometimes? Sure. Does, has, he, has he had people on the show who are genuinely bad people? Absolutely. Yeah. He, Gavin's whole shtick is he's going to provoke, he's going to be funny, he's going to have <laughs> sometimes bad people come on. Sure. Is that worth censoring him? Is that why we should censor him? No. The, the clip that has actually been going around Twitter to, sh- to prove that Gavin is this evil guy and... Further, further this way of of banning conservatives is this clip in which he's talking to, I think, Steve Malsberg and he says that violence sometimes solves problems. Here he is.
0: Do you expect on the heels of what happened to Milo that something might be happening because of what happened at UC Berkeley?
1: Oh, we were told. We were told that they were going to attack us. They had made Facebook pages and Twitter and New York Antifa was coming to disrupt. They made it very clear that they were going to kick my a-. um I didn't know they were going to be using bear mace. That was a surprise. But NYU had a, a back door. We could have got in. And I said, no, I'm not going in the back door. I'm not ashamed. So all of us got together. We went through the front door. But then they only let me in. So the guys who escorted me there were left to fight. And luckily, they're great fighters. So they fought back and two of them ended up in jail. But uh, overall, it was a really fun night. And I cannot recommend violence enough. It is a really effective way to solve problems.
2: (laughs) So He's getting in trouble for this. One has to remember, Gavin is a comedian. He, when he goes on TV, I think in that clip right there, it says Gavin, actor, commentator, comedian. He says things that are funny. So what you expect him to say is violence isn't the answer. But what he's saying is, look, these lefties were very violent. They're, you know I had to be escorted in. I had to go in. So clearly, violence does do something. It does solve problems. Uh, but this is to be provocative. This is out there. Just uh, as far as Gavin's point goes violence does solve some problems, right? It solved a couple world wars, you know, it solved a few. Th- this is not to recommend violence in civil discourse. This is not to recommend violence on the domestic front or anything like that. But, uh, just just compare these two cases. I'll use these two cases to, to show my point. Gavin McGinnis, who is a provocateur, comedian, commentator, broadcaster, makes some jokes about violence. Makes some jokes about violence on a TV show. The... Vice chairman of the, or the deputy chairman of the Democratic National Committee, Keith Ellison, is being accused of beating women. Gavin McGinnis wrestles his baby, wrestles his baby in a, in a video, and then the, the baby beats him. And he tickles the baby, and then the baby beats him. The vice Deputy Chair, the deputy chairman of the DNC, Keith Ellison, is accused of beating women by his ex-girlfriend and by her son. Which one is getting play in the media? Which guy is getting kicked off Twitter? Is Keith Ellison kicked off of Twitter? No, because he didn't make a video wrestling a baby, so he doesn't get kicked off. Oh, no, it's Gavin gets kicked off Twitter. Keith Ellison. Listen to these accusations. Look, I get it. We're, we're in an election cycle. Sometimes there are false accusations that come out. This happens with some frequency. So, I, again, it's not that you have to believe these things. But they're being treated with no seriousness by the mainstream media. Big tech isn't saying they're going to censor him. The mainstream media are not taking this seriously. I'll read the accusations for you. You can can decide what you think yourself. This is from the son of an ex-girlfriend of Keith Ellison. "Quote: My name is Austin Monahan, and I'm writing this letter on behalf of me and my brother. My brother and I watched our mom come out of pure hell after getting out of her relationship with Keith Ellison, deputy chairman of the DNC. For several months, we knew something wasn't right and couldn't figure it out. When we asked our mom if everything was okay, she told us she was dealing with some stress and would be okay. In the middle of 2017, I was using my mom's computer, trying to download something, and I clicked on a file. I found over 100 text and Twitter messages and video almost two minutes long that showed Keith Ellison dragging my mama off the bed by her feet, screaming and calling her an effing lady dog. You, feel, you can fill that in and telling her to get the F out of his house. The messages I found were mixed with him constantly, consistently telling my mom he wanted her back. he missed her, he knew he effed up and he we wished he could do things different. He would victim shaming, bully her and threaten her if she went public. I texted him and told him, I know what you did to my mom and a few other things. I met up with my mom that night and asked her what happened. She said nothing happened until I told her I saw a video. And hell of a lot of messages saying something different. She finally talked. My brother and I were so angry and hurt for our mom, we were ready to go public. But our mom begged us not to. And she, along with others, convinced us it wasn't in our mom's best interest. So that's that's the testimony from the kid. He's using his own name. He's using his mother's name. The mother now is, is making these allegations too, it seems. And so at least their names are on this. I get it. It's before an election. But... The story isn't logically impossible. Plenty of women in in abusive situations don't want to talk about it. Perhaps the majority of them don't want to talk about it, want it to go away. They feel embarrassed. They feel some shame for it. Uh, Now this is coming out. Uh, Keith Ellison is a pretty radical dude. Again, that doesn't mean he definitely did this, but these are the allegations that are coming out. How are the mainstream media reporting this? The deputy chairman of the Democrat National Committee accused of beating women the LA Times, This is. This is I'll, I'll just run down the list, LA Times. Ellison denies abuse allegations. By the way, this is like the first time they're covering it. I'm not saying this is the third article about this. These are the headlines when you Google Ellison abuse. LA Times, Ellison denies abuse allegations. CBS, Ellison denies abuse allegations. Uh, People Magazine, Ellison denies abuse allegations. The Root, Ellison denies. Politico, Ellison denies. HuffPo, Ellison denies. Washington Post, Ellison denies. Vox, Ellison denies. Daily Beast, Ellison denies. Yahoo News, Ellison denies. Only NPR, only National Public Radio, ran the headline, the actual news headline, Congressman Accused of Domestic Abuse by Former Girlfriend. Now, it doesn't say Democrat congressman. I'm sure if it were a Republican, it would say Republican congressman. doesn't say that. It, um, it doesn't say deputy chairman of the Democratic National Committee accused. But at least NPR says accused of. Uh, this congressman has been accused of domestic abuse. All the rest jump right into it. They say he denies these allegations. He's accused. He denies it, though. That's not the story. The story isn't that he denies. Of course he denies it. The story is that he was accused at all that there were these allegations out there that a woman has said that. Compare this to how they covered Roy Moore. Do you remember Roy Moore, that flawed candidate over there in Alabama? He's been in public politics for however many years. And right before that campaign, there were these allegations that uh, he hit on 15-year-olds at the mall when he was 30 or something like that. And the mainstream media descended. They, uh, They crucified this guy for it. Now, there was some evidence that, that the, the evidence here had been doctored, actually. We knew that, there was, that the evidence had been doctored. Nevertheless, he's a pedophile, he's a this, he's a scumbag, he's a this, whatever. Keith Ellison, deputy chairman of the DNC, accused of beating a woman, accused by the woman accused by her son. He denies it. He denies, this, is not, this isn't a story. He denies it. This is really vicious. I mean, this is awful. Talk about a war on women. They're believing this guy instantly, not even a question not even a question. He might have beaten this woman. The old line in politics is that when you're running a campaign, you ask your opponent, when, when did you stop beating your wife? Because there's no, there's no good answer to that. You can't say, yo, yesterday or a week or this. It just assumes guilt. The media are doing exactly the opposite. They're assuming innocence. They're assuming that this woman who's saying that she was beaten by Keith Ellison, they're assuming that she's a liar. They're just assuming. So what happened to like, you have to believe the women what happened to, there's no reason for women to make up these stories. What happened to Me Too? What happened to all of that? Gone. Gone because they're going after a Democrat and they're going after a high-ranking Democrat and they're going to circle the wagons around him. Really, really vicious uh, stuff. And it just shows the corruption of the mainstream media. Um, before we go, I think we, we have a little more time before we have to go, don't we? Do we have to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube? We got Okay, we got a little bit more time. Uh, the I do want to cover Omarosa. So Omarosa... Uh, you know, she was the reality star from The Apprentice. She worked in the Trump White House, in the reality star White House. She is, uh, she's making some serious allegations against Donald Trump. She's saying that he's a racist, he's a bigot, he's a this. She's pushing her book called Unhinged. Another example of I know you are, but what am I? That's what we should we should call today. I know you are, but what am I? This famously crazy reality TV star is is putting out a book called Unhinged. Here are some of her... So she's made the allegations that he's a racist. In the past, she said he's not a racist. She then secretly recorded uh, Chief of Staff John Kelly firing her in the situation room. How she got the tape, who knows? But she's recording him in the situation room. Here's the tape. We've got to talk to you about uh, leaving the White House. Um, It's (coughs) to my attention uh, over the uh, last few months... But there's been some pretty, in my opinion, significant
0: integrity issues.
2: Can I a, you ask you a couple of questions? Does uh, the president is the
1: president aware of this? Uh,
0: don't let's not go down the road. This is a non-negotiable discussion.
1: I don't uh, want to negotiate. Okay. I just I've never talked had a chance to talk to you, General Kelly. Yeah, so but, if this is my departure, I'd like to have at least an opportunity no, uh, to understand. Uh, we can we can talk another time. This has to do with
2: some pretty serious viola- integrity violations. Um, so I'll let it go with that so uh... the the staff and everyone on the staff works for me not the president so john kelly says you're being fired because you have no integrity and what does she do? She proves him exactly right in the moment. By the way, not in retrospect. In the moment, she is recording the chief of staff to the president in the situation room. Huge violation of national security. Huge violation of uh, even just regular decorum to, to record your boss. Certainly when your boss is the chief of staff to the president of the United States, you're in the West Wing. Uh, she proves him exactly right. That This should be the end of the conversation. She says, I've got a secret tape of John Kelly telling me that I have no integrity. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then everything John Kelly says, I'll believe. <laughs> everything you say, I won't believe. We'll, we'll analyze some of her uh, lack of integrity and where this is going, Why the left is focusing on it. I got to think about it. Facebook and YouTube. Thank you so much to those who are on Daily Wire. You help keep my show on the air. You know, you help keep the lights on and you know, so I, I've never felt like we've had a really close call with that over the years, but um, we really appreciate you anyway. Go to dailywire.com if you're on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, You'll get me, you'll get the Andrew Klavan Show, you get the Ben Shapiro Show, you get to ask questions in the mailbag, that's on Thursday. Ask questions in the conversation, that's coming up and I'm gonna be on it. None of that matters. This is what you need. You need the Antifa Brew, because here's what here's what's gonna keep happening as we get to the midterms. Antifa is gonna show up. They're gonna be ready to bash the fash with bullets and p- clubs, and they're gonna be ready, and then they're gonna get there, and there aren't gonna be any fascists. They're gonna they're so ready, they're gonna and what are they are probably gonna hit each other. They're gonna start hitting the media or something. Either way, they're gonna be a lot of tears. You're gonna need the leftist tears template, or otherwise you're gonna drown. Go to dailywire.com, we'll be right back. I'm gonna defend Stephen Miller, I'm going to attack Amarosa, and then I'm gonna show you my favorite baseball player in history. Be right back. All right, so you, you saw that. Obviously, there are integrity issues here, but now she's saying that she has a tape of Donald Trump saying a racial slur. And you heard this, you know, we had Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold's doing this whole TV show on Viceland about he has Trump tapes. What are the tapes of? I don't know, but he has tapes of him being a racist and saying slurs and all this. And what's funny, by the way, is in that interview with Tom Arnold, he made this allegation. And then he later said, "It doesn't. It's not a big deal. People use racial slurs sometimes as they're joking or whatever." And you know, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. I said, "Well, you said this was the biggest deal ever. Is is Trump some vicious racist or not?" But by, by the evidence, he doesn't seem to have any animus against black people. The black unemployment rate is at an all-time low. Uh, he hasn't singled out individual races and tried to. oppress them or overregulate them or, you know, go after them in any way. Everybody is doing better in this economy. He talks about that all the time. Donald Trump says, we all bleed the same blood of patriots. You know, we're all all in this together, all for one and one for all. And Omarosa was saying this not too long ago. She was saying, Donald Trump is not a racist. Uh, Certainly he is not a racist. I've known him for a long time. Certainly he's not a racist. Now she's trying to turn it around for her book deal, to sell her book. She's saying, yeah, well, I was wrong. You should believe me now. She is without any credibility. She is without any integrity. They're trying to do this now because, one, for her because she's a jilted ex-employee. We've all heard this before. But the left is doing this now. They're going after these ephemeral things. They're going after these ethereal things. They're going after these can't quite grasp, but nothing really tangible because they have nothing tangible to run on in November. The midterm elections are coming up, and their hands are empty. Everything is going too well. So you're going to see this ramp up and ramp up. They're going to censor more and more conservatives and they're going to start really really personal attacks. That's what we're going to get. You're seeing the censorship happen already. I didn't think it would happen this quickly, but they're going after Gavin. Who comes next? Probably another probably next is going to be someone who's a little less of a comedian, but you know, still maybe a little bit of a comedian, he's a little too far right, he's a little too provocative. Then they'll go after him. Then they'll start going after just regular old mainstream pundits and commentators. That's that's the way this is going to go. They're going to ramp up all the way through November. That's going to be the censorship side. And then these personal attacks. There was a really vicious personal attack. I am shocked Politico would publish this. Even Politico, as you, as much of a rag as Politico is, I'm shocked even they would stoop to this level. But they're going to keep ramping that up. You're going to get this with Omarosa. These unhinged, unhinged. I know you are, but what am I? It's going to keep up until uh, until the, the midterms. Now, Stephen Miller, speaking of that attack on Stephen Miller, there's an article today in Politico headline, made Apple News it made Drudge Stephen Miller is an immigration hypocrite I know because I'm his uncle talk about awkwardness around the Thanksgiving table. You know, you go home. uh, Sometimes it's a little awkward. Families have different political points of view. This guy's writing a hit piece about his own nephew. Absolutely despicable. The guy should be ashamed of himself just on the principle of the thing. But here's what he writes. He goes, quote, I've watched with dismay and increasing horror as my nephew, who is an educated man and well aware of his heritage, has become the architect of immigration policies that repudiate the very foundation of our family's life in this country. So what's the point? The point is that Stephen Miller's family came over as immigrants and therefore he can never advocate any limits on immigration to the United States. Just more more immigrants just as much as no open borders, knock down the walls, no immigration law because if you descend from immigrants and you don't want open borders you're a hypocrite. That's what this piece is saying, which is one of the stupidest arguments. So, I mean, you would think Politico wouldn't publish the piece because of how tawdry and personal it is, but even beyond that, it's such a stupid argument. Right now in the United States, the, the foreign-born population, the percentage of the population that is foreign-born has tripled since the 1970s. As a raw number, I think it's quadrupled, but it's tripled as a percentage of the population since the 1970s. Is there no limit? to the percentage of the US population that should be foreign born. Look, where are we're the melting pot, right? We take in immigrants. It was a nation that was founded by settlers and we had early immigrants come in from the old world to the new. Uh, it's not that America has never welcomed immigrants or shouldn't welcome immigrants at all, but is there no limit? What is the limit? Uh, you know, it, assimilation is hard. The way that America works is when you come over here, you abandon your terrible culture that you're fleeing and you come into our culture and then you have like a good life, you know, and you make money and you're prosperous and successful and you contribute to the country. Uh, There is a limit to that. If you, if you, just have uh, I don't know. Let's say it's 50/50 foreign-born to native-born population, or 70/30 foreign-born to native-born population. At a certain point, there is no culture to assimilate to anymore. You can't. It's under the best of circumstances, assimilation is very hard. But we've been good at it in the United States. But you can't keep that up forever, and you've you've got to take some care to assimilate people. Now we have a left that doesn't want assimilation, doesn't advocate for assimilation whatsoever. There is a limit to these things. So I would ask the, the author of this piece, David Glosser, Stephen Miller's uncle, okay, uh, if, you, if you descend from immigrants, you're a hypocrite. What limits do you think are legitimate to place on immigration? What's the limit? So the percentage of the foreign born population now uh, is has tripled since the 1970s. It's way up since the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. You know that period of American dominance, that period of assimilation. Uh, what limit? What limit do you place? Is there no limit? Is it just open borders? Okay, because that is, that is very ridiculous. It's it's saying that. Any change to immigration regimes is, is hypocrisy, but advocating different immigration policies at dif- different times in history, that's not hypocrisy. That's acknowledging that politics changes, that the co- makeup of the country changes, that the makeup of our politics changes. You know, it's not, you, you don't have the same policy solutions now as you had in the 1980s or the 1970s or the 1880s. You have to adapt them to changing times. Here are some facts on immigration. If we were to give amnesty to the so-called dreamers, people who were brought to the United States illegally under the age of 18, though now they could be 40 years old, but they were brought under the age of 18. Uh, Democrats say that that would give amnesty to 1.8 million people. In reality, USA Today estimates it's more like 3.6 million people. That's just the dreamers. No majority of Americans wants that to happen, not even Democrats. The majority of Democrats don't think that that should be a priority. Uh, we, We also know that Hispanic illegal aliens and Hispanic legal immigrants, which is what a lot of people are talking about on the southern border. They identify with Democrats between three and 8.2 times as much as they identify with Republicans. They're between three and 8.2 times as likely to to identify Democrat as Republican. This is a major shift to our politics if we're talking about legalizing millions and millions and millions of these people, giving them amnesty, giving them a path to citizenship, giving them a path to voting. That is a major shift. I understand why Democrats are gung-ho about that, but there is a legitimate concern that that will uh, change our politics dramatically. We also know that 76% of immigrant-led households are on some sort of welfare program, over two-thirds of them. This compares to 52% of the native-born population. That's a change. Look, uh, in the uh, before the 1940s, we had relatively high levels of immigration, not quite as high as today, but comparable, 1920s, 1930s. But back then we didn't really have a welfare state, did we? The welfare state as we know it was built during the 1930s and the 1940s and then later the 1960s. So if you have all of this immigration, that's fine. But what happens when they're a- a- accessing taxpayer-subsidized programs at huge numbers, disproportionate numbers? Do the taxpayers not get some say in that? Do they, is it, are they bigots? Or are they hypocrites? Or are they racists for saying, hey, we don't want to keep giving away all of our money to uh, all of these people who are coming and not contributing to the economy? not contributing to to federal programs. Is that racist? Is that bigoted? Of course not. We also know that in, in many areas, illegal aliens are f- uh, 45% more likely to be gang members. Is it hypocritical? Is it hypocritical and racist and bigoted for, for Americans to say, oh, we want to vet some people, we don't want to keep importing uh, gang members and criminals en masse? Is that, of course not. That's not hypocritical. And then the final statistic, 60 to 80% of women who cross the border illegally are raped and sexually assaulted. It's not according to the right. That's according to left-wing sources, Fusion and Huffington Post. Is that Are you a hypocrite if you don't want that to happen, if you want to disincentivize that? Because Mr. Glosser, Stephen Miller's uncle, he seems to advocate for more of that. So you want to incentivize a condition where 60 to 80% of women and girls are raped. How do you like it? How do you like these personal attacks? How do you like that? Because I think perhaps the, the right should start employing some of these attacks, real attacks, using real numbers, using re- real facts against the lefties. They, they try to make their fact-free emotional appeal. We should have a fact-full emotional appeal to point out their own hypocrisy and the the moral idiocy of their point of view. Uh, Before I go, I know we're running a little late. I just have to play this point for This Is America, my all-time favorite baseball player now in history. Care of the Little League World Series. Here he is.
1: Hi, my name's Alfred DeLeo. At home, they call me Big Al, and I
2: have dingers. My name's Alfred D'Elia, at home they call me Big Al, and I hit dingers. I love that kid. That kid is America. Uh, this clip went viral. It's from the Little League World Series. And uh, the internet loves this kid. Why? Because this kid is America. We did that whole thing about soccer, you know, during the World Series. I had, we went over to Daily Wire 2, our sister network, and had our sports correspondent come on, the God King Boring. This is a real American sport. you got this kid, goes up there, totally confident, this is my name. They call me Big Al. Now, if this were soccer, it'd be like, they call me little, they call me eco-friendly Al. They call, ooh, they call me recycling Al. Ooh, they call me thin, quaffed Al. No, not in America, baby. This kid goes up, they call me Big Al. You know why I'm big? So that I can hit dingers. I hit dingers. Just the sound of that. It's not like if it were soccer, right, he'd say like, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, quaffed Al and uh, I lightly kick the ball. Down the field, and we don't ever score because. But I kick it, and then our teammates kick it, and that. That would be soccer. But this is America. So He says, "I hit dingers. I use a bat and brute force and violence against a fast-pitched little tiny ball, and then I knock it out of the park. I hit dingers, baby, and that's why I'm big. I'm not. I'm not trying to be this sort of scarce, uh, austere little. Oh, let's just not." hurt the trees or the this. No, baby. I'm big. I'm bold. I'm brash. I'm America. Just like baseball, I do a real sport and I hit dingers out of the park. Gotta love him. Good good on Big Al. <laughs> good on America. That's our show. Uh, thanks for being with us and letting us get to 200 and we'll, uh, we, well, we're going to have to check in with myself in the future at some point see what the 300th episode holds it'd be really interesting to see how great everything is going by that time so maybe we'll check in with him in the future in the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles this is The Michael Knowles Show I'll see you tomorrow The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Senia Villarreal, Executive producer Jeremy Boring, Senior producer Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer, Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Jim Nickel. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.